Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. All right, everybody, you guys want to start with prayer today, and then we'll get things going? Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds, God. Allow us to focus in on you. Make your word the center of our life, that we can build our house on that, Lord. We worship you and praise you and thank you for everything you've done and everything you're doing. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well. We're going to do some Bible studying today, and we're kind of going to do a little detour. I've been, we've been talking about the armor, we've been talking about growing fruit, and I was going to move on to spiritual gifts, but God kind of sidetracked me a little bit. What's up, bro? So we're going to continue to talk a little bit more on the armor of God today, but before we start that... There was some things that the Holy Ghost was putting on my heart. uh, This week at church, Stefan preached an amazing message. And we were talking about it. And he talked about how in life, what victory really looks like. And he talked about how we often think that when we we start serving God, that when we get victory in our life, that it's going to be this great awesome experience one after another after another and then real life sets in and we start getting discouraged and we start looking at things like they're not as good as we thought they were going to be so he 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 did it in a great way where he really uplifted us at the same time but he showed us that life can be life sometimes and that even though even though we are victorious sometimes it doesn't always look that way and it made me really reflect on what we've been teaching in our Bible study and where we're at and I was realizing that I'm teaching on the armor and everything he preached was right in line with that because when you when you've got armor on you're in a battle like I don't know if you guys have ever actually tried on armor (laughs) some of us in this room actually have but like there's like role-playing what's it called LARPing LARPing where yeah so you know about LARPing Okay, well, when you're when you if you've ever been involved in this and you're put on the actual armor and you get hit with these swords, it doesn't kill you. Like it won't take you out, but you still feel the impact and you still feel the pain even though you have this armor on. You're still feeling the blows coming at you from the enemy. So, it really made me think about how We're talking about the armor of God, and and we get all excited about it, but what we realize is that when we're putting on the armor of God, we're actually going into war. And all of us in this room, God's been blessing us. We've been doing great things. We've been seeking after Him. But in the middle of all of that, we've all been in wars too. Everybody in this room has, has called me and told me great things that have happened in their life, and they've also called me and told me battles that they're fighting in their life. So Stefan's message really encouraged me to keep going with this and show you guys how we are going to have battles, but we're going to be victorious in these battles and we're going to stand strong while the devil's trying to destroy our life. So one of my favorite scriptures for this that really nails it is Matthew chapter 7. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus covers quite a bit. He starts off in the beginning talking about not judging people. Then he talks about prayer. If you, if you have, you know, 
if you don't get what you ask for, keep coming. That's how that's how effective prayer works. It's not just one time, but it's an ongoing process. He talks about the golden rule to do unto others as we do unto ourselves. He talks about the narrow gate. He talks about the tree and its fruit. He talks about true disciples. So Christ is teaching on all of these amazing things. He's teaching on these important lessons in our life. And then at the end of it all, Christ ends it in 24 with this. Hey, Saul, quiet a little bit. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. So everybody in here, we're under, we're under this category. Everybody in here has, we've been, we've been reading our Bibles. We've been listening to the teachings of Christ. And we've been, oh, we've been obeying it. That's why we've been getting the blessings in our life. is because we're putting into practice these things that we've been reading. This golden rule, do unto others as we do unto ourselves. That's, that's something we've been practicing. These are things that we've been doing. So we're in this category here. And like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. So we're like people building our houses on a solid rock right now. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house. It didn't say if. It didn't say maybe once in your life. It said very certainly when the rain comes. When the floodwaters come. When these crazy storms pop up in your life. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen because the Bible and the Word of God knows the devil's real. It knows the devil's going to try and destroy people's lives. Even whether or not we're doing good, the devil will destroy your life. You're living for God, he wants to take you out. But even if you're not living for God, he still wants to take you out because his whole purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. So the Bible doesn't say, oh, well, the devil might want to eventually, one day if you cross him, he might want to take you out. No, it's, it's, very, it's very precise in the fact that Satan is trying to take people out. The storms are coming. He is kicking up storms every day to affect our lives. But this house won't collapse because it is built on a bedrock. The difference is but anyone who hears my teachings and don't obey it is foolish like a person who builds his house on the sand. And this time when the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachings of the religious rulers. Jesus taught, there's a difference. If you listen to what I say, and you put these into practice, you'll be wise. The storms are still going to come. They're still going to beat your house up. You're not, you're not going to be able to walk out of it unscathed. You're going to have to go out there and put some fresh coat of paint on it. You're going to have to go out there and tend to your garden. These are things that you're going to have to do to keep your house nice. But your house doesn't crumble. And if you've seen somebody in the world who doesn't have a foundation built on God, and you see what happens in their life when it starts to storm, there's a big difference between them and a believer. A believer says, I've had some bad things happen, but guess what? God's good, and life's still going good, and I'm going to be all right. I'm not crumbling. When somebody who doesn't believe in God and doesn't have a foundation and something bad happens in their life, they crumble. They're done. They don't have anything left to stand on, and they're definitely not standing. So... When we decide to start doing things good for God and we start building our house better, that's the promise that we have. We don't have a promise that there's not going to be a storm. What we have a promise is that what we have is going to continue to stand. Our house is going to stand. Now, as God continues to bless you and your house becomes nicer and gets filled with these things, the storm doesn't affect what God's blessing inside your house because your house doesn't crumble. 
when your house isn't built on the rock, everything God's blessed you with, everything you've accumulated in your house, as soon as the first storm blows through, it all disappears. So, is there a benefit for putting God's wisdom to practice in our life? There's a very big benefit. It doesn't mean we're not going to have storms. It means we're going to be safe in the middle of the storm. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians. I thought I marked this. I did. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Are you paying attention? Yes. <laughs> Just so everybody on the recording knows, I was playing with a baby. They're like, why is he talking to the audience like that? <laughs> Are you guys paying attention, little guys? <laughs> Yeah, we, we do a podcast. I've got, I do a podcast where everything that we do in our Bible study, I post it the following week on the podcast. So if anybody misses a week, they can catch up on it on the podcast. And then we also do a morning Bible read where we're going through the whole New Testament. Me and my family, we're right now we're finishing 2 Thessalonians 2. So on the podcast, this is going to be a whole week of Thessalonians next week. But... I was, we were reading it, and I was like, man, this Thessalonians is, like, good. I, I was thinking about after I finally run out of stuff, going through and doing Bible studies on all the small books, and then each Bible study taking one of the small books and completing it in the Bible study. And then we'll talk about it, debate it, and then keep going. And, you know, I figured that would be, be a cool way to get through because some of these small books – pack a lot of punch and we're going to see that right here in Thessalonians Thessalonians is only five chapters wait a minute let me make sure I'm not lying yes five chapters and we're going to start in chapter four we're going to go through four and five today so it's really easy to go through a small book of five chapters and it always surprises me how much they pack into those little books so let's start in verse number one in chapter four finally dear brothers and sisters We urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. That's putting into practice what we're learning from Christ. As we have taught you, you live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. So again, man, that's why I was like, I got to teach this here. This is exactly for this Bible study, guys. We've all been doing so good. And that's what he's writing to these people about. He's not writing to people who have built their houses on sand. He's writing to the people who are building their house on the rock. And he's like, you guys are doing good. I want to say that to all you guys. You guys, we've been doing good. We've been doing a good job. And I want to encourage us to continue in that way. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of Jesus Christ. So we're going back to authority. Authority is is a big thing. If God's the master of the universe and he's been given all authority on earth and he gives us the authority, we better not take that lightly. God's will is for you to be holy and to stay away from all sexual sin. It's funny how many times people say they don't know the will of God. And it literally tells you it all the time in the Bible. There's your will. People want to go, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, there's one to start with. Be holy and stay away from sexual sin. <laughs> That's 90% of your life solved right there. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sin. Wow, I don't want the vengeance of God coming on me. As we have as we have solemnly warned you before, God has called you to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives the Holy Spirit to you. Okay. So, Thessalonians took the gloves off. He ain't playing nice, is he? We, we, we hear a lot in a lot of churches about how, oh, we're all sinners. We're all going to sin. We're all, well, Thessalonians don't feel that way. Unless you're going to rip that out of your Bible, you got a problem. Because the Bible calls us to live holy. It calls us to live separate. It, 
and that's how your house gets built on the rock it said to not only hear what jesus said but to obey his teachings when we're obeying his teachings that's how we're building a house that's built on a rock you can hear the truth all day long but if you don't put that into practice your house isn't being built so yeah you're you're good you're doing good you're going to church you got things great everything's cool but are you putting into practice what jesus is teaching jesus never taught it was okay to sin he did not teach that. He taught that we have power to break sin and overcome sin. Now, I'm not saying any of this so that the devil can take my words and cause condemnation in people's life. Guess what? It is your flesh that naturally sins. And I talked about that last week. It is your flesh that naturally sins. So to sin is not crazy. It's normal. However, God gives us the power to live supernaturally. So I don't have to fall subject to this natural life of sinning. I can rise above it. So if you mess up, guess what? You're just human. But most of the time, you should be living under supernatural influence and you should be able to go without messing up. And if nobody says that to you, you don't know. There are things that my son has trouble doing because he has one arm. And if I allow him to think that that's something he can't do, then he won't try. But if I tell him, come on, buddy, you can do this. Then he tries, and he figures out that there's a lot of things that he's done. He, he's blown my mind. This kid can do more with one arm than most kids can do with two. It's amazing when you see them do that. But he'd have never been there if I'd have told him, you're crippled, don't do that. He wouldn't do that. And it's the same thing in our lives. If I tell you you're crippled and you have to sin, you're going to believe me and you're going to sin. But that's not the truth, and that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we're to be like Christ and he never sinned. So if I can, if why would the Bible tell me to do something I can't achieve? That's like, is this a mean joke? Is this a cruel trick? It's not because the Bible knows it didn't tell you to do something you had to achieve. It told you something you can achieve in Christ. So if we mess up, we're normal. But when we put our faith in Christ and when we walk in Christ's ways, he can make it so we don't mess up. We got to have faith in that. We've got to believe in that. And we've got to focus all of our attention on him. Because in the end of the day, our attention really shouldn't be on ourselves. Paul talked about how I don't even judge myself, whether I, whether I do good or whether I do bad. I'm not my judge. God's my judge. I'm not allowed to judge other people. And I'm supposed to love them as I love myself. So how can I love them and not judge them if I'm already judging myself? I've got to get to the point where I don't judge myself. Then I can love my neighbor as I love myself and not judge them. Because I'm not my judge any more than I'm their judge. I'm not my own God any more than I'm their God. I have a God. He's the one who holds me accountable. And no matter how much anybody doesn't like it, his word says that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive them. So I'm not holding on to anything that I've ever done in my life. From this moment, Jesus forgive me, I'm clean. He said so. And I'm going to stay that way as long as he wants me to. And as long as his grace is good enough, he can keep me in that position for the, my entire life and into the next one. But I got to have faith. I got to believe it. Faith cometh by hearing. So it's, it's pretty helpful to have someone stand up and tell you, guess what? You don't have to sin every day. I needed it. I found an evangelist online who told me it. He was like, you won't have to sin. Sin is bad. Stop doing it. I was like, okay. That's what I needed to hear. I needed to hear that for a second. Plus, we want houses built on rocks. I don't, I don't want a house that's built on sand, guys. So if I can't get my house built on rock without putting into practice the teachings of Christ, then that's what I got to do in my life. Because I know, and we all know, 
the storms are coming. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. For God himself has taught you to love one another. Another thing in this room that we see. Nobody, I didn't have to come in here and tell you guys quit being mean to each other. God literally taught us that we're going to be a group that loves each other and that grows in love. Nothing's more important than loving. Indeed, all of you show your love for all the the believers throughout Michigan. I mean, Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live. You will not need to depend on others. That's important. Mind your own business. That's such a hard one. Mind your own business. Everybody needs to hear that. I had to say that about 15 times this week at work. Mind your own business. None of that has to do with you. But we get so caught up in other people's business. It's ridiculous. But if we mind our own business and work with your hands, occupy your time, find things that you can do. Again, I talk about it every week. I'm going to keep talking about Chris is making shirts. That's a great thing to do. You know, Nettie makes shirts. All her kids' shirts right now she made. Yeah, I told her I was going to introduce you guys afterwards. But that's that's what God calls us to do. Don't just sit around and wallow. Idle hands are the devil's playground. Do something. Get to work. Do something for him. Something that's admirable. Something honest. Don't just can't go gamble all weekend. But do something that's going to build the kingdom. Something for God. Because in that work, we show the world his light and now dear brothers and sisters we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope so now he's telling us that people believers are going to die so we're 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 all we're going to build this house everything's going to go great what do you mean some of us are going to die? I don't want my brothers to die. Like I don't want my friends and the people I love around me to die. And what do we do when that storm comes? What do we do when our loved ones pass? Same thing we do in every situation. We hold on to our hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns... He will bring back with him the believers who have died. So we put our faith in Jesus. We know he's got us. We know that when we die, we're with him. We hold on to these faith or else our house crumbles. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will meet will not meet will not meet him ahead of those who have died for the lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of god first the christians who have died will rise from their graves then together with them we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up into the clouds to meet the lord in the air then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. These are words of joy. God came to save everyone. I don't know about you guys, but my God doesn't lose. My God's a winning God. There will be more people in heaven than we can imagine because my God's bigger than we can imagine. So we can encourage each other with these words. Those who have died that we love, the odds of us seeing them again are pretty great. 
And I don't care what the devil tells us. I don't care how many times the devil wants to. He's told me my whole life I'm not saved. So, of course, he's going to tell me everybody I know that's died isn't saved. But guess what? I don't have to go off that. I can put my faith into practice and know that the Bible says God's in control of the whole universe. Who he wants to save, he can save, and the devil can't do anything about it. So my faith is that everyone I know who has died in the Lord, he's strong enough to protect, and that me, when I die in the Lord, I'm going to go be with Jesus. But above all of that, how many of you want to be here when we hear the trumpet sound? You know, (laughs) everybody talks about, you know, oh, I'm I'm sick of living, I want to die and go be with Jesus. Well, I'm sick of living too, but I don't want to die. I'd rather just hear the trumpet blast and us get sucked up into the air and be a part of this amazing experience. But the only reason why that hasn't happened already, I said this yesterday in the Bible study, God wants you to be with him more than he wants to be with you. I mean, God wants to be with you more than you want to be with him. That's the right way I want it. That's how I said it yesterday. I said it different. But God really does want you in heaven more than you want to be in heaven. For one, he understands what heaven really is. He understands how amazing it is. He also understands our suffering on earth because he was on it. He became flesh and realized what all we go through. So he understands how hard our life is. He understands how great it's going to be. And he also loves us more than we love him. He loved us first and he loved us more. So as much as we're like, man, I love God and I really want to be with him. He's like... You don't even know how much I love you and I want you to be with me. But there was one reason why he leaves us on this earth. And that is so that none will be lost. That's so that we can continue this message to people who have never heard it. So we encourage each other with these words. We encourage each other knowing that Christ is coming soon and that when we die we're going to be with him and that everybody we know has an opportunity to be with him now let's move on to chapter number 5 now concerning how and when all this will happen dear brothers and sisters we don't really need to write you for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure man it says it will come like a thief in the night everybody's always prophesying the end of the world Everybody's always saying, oh, things are looking bad. Things are coming. This is going to happen. But the Bible says it's going to come like a thief in the night. It says right here, it's not going to be like we've been told. Oh, there, you know, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's been wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be greater, well, there's been great earthquakes. We've already experienced all of these things. We're, it's going to get so bad in the end times that, well, that's not what the Bible teaches the Bible teaches, yeah. But the but the point that I was going to, because you're, John Roy writes about revelations. He writes about the end times. And we often get that confused with when that takes place, before Christ's return or after Christ's return. We got people who are pre-trib, post-trib. I'm going to blow all that out of the water right here. I'm going to give myself away. There's no way on earth God's going to make us go through all that. There's no way on earth. And, if, and it's backed up scripturally scripturally we will be raptured before the tribulation this is you want to argue about it that's fine devil's all about confusion i'm based on truth and if you read your bible that's what it says christ says when he returns it'll be like the days of noah there was a tribulations in noah days so christ's return is before but there are tribulations coming We know that's true, too, because it's written in the Word of God. So if there are tribulations coming, and it's going to happen, but Christ is going to return when there's still a peaceful world, then there's a problem there. So that shows us Christ must return before the tribulation. It's got to happen. And right here again in Thessalonians, he proves my point as well. Not my point, the Bible's point. 
Oh, that was the Holy Ghost when he said my point. I get it. <laughs> but he says right here, ah, where am I at? Oh, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. So it's not going to, it doesn't come from a point when everything's crazy and we go, oh, you know what? Wow, there's, there's famines, there's wars, there's rumors of war. Yep, Christ must be coming back. It says when they say it's peaceful and all is calm, that's when they get overtaken with trouble. So we understand that in by, from, from biblical perspective that there is going to be a rapture. There are going to be us taken away. And then there's going to come some very tr- terrible times. But the Lord's return is like a thief in the night. You're not going to know it's coming. It's going to be surprising. Worrying about that. We're going to be gone. As long as we're doing what we're doing right now, if Jesus comes back tomorrow, I'm going to be watching the tribulation from on high. I'm going to be looking down on that like, ooh, that is not good. <laughs> but And that's what God calls all of us to. But again, that comes suddenly like a thief in the night, which is why we build our house on this rock. Right. Right. Because we want them coming with us. We want them to be right with us. But we've got we've to be prepared. We've got to be ready. We should be building this house knowing Christ is coming soon. We want our house in order. That's another scripture. So, but you, now, now, now he's going to let us know something, guys. Pay attention to this. But you aren't in the dark about these things. We're not, in, we're not confused. The guy's not keeping this a secret from us. So he talked about when the end comes. So here we go. Now, now it's going to get really wild here. Because he talks about when the end comes. And he says, it'll come like a thief in the night and nobody will know the time or the hour, right? Didn't he just say all that? But he says, but you're not that way. So what does he mean by that? We're not in the dark. We're not in the dark. It's going to be like in the days of Noah, right? What was Noah's grandfather's name? Methuselah. That's a weird name, isn't it? Isn't that a long, silly name? Yeah, everybody else's name was Lamech, was Noah's father. Enoch was his great-grandfather. Enoch was the one who walked with God and was taken up into heaven, right? But when Enoch had a son, he didn't name him Tom or Bill or Bob, or like their names, that was Lamech, Enoch, Noah, easy names. He named his son Methuselah. That is a sentence in Hebrew. That's not a word. That's not a name. That's a sentence. Methuselah means something to Noah. Methuselah, if you look up the meaning of Methuselah, it's a sentence in Hebrew that says, when he dies... Judgment will come. So Noah sits back and he's looking at his grandfather. His great-grandfather Enoch, before he went to heaven and never died and walked with God as a representation of the rapture. Yes. God's word is good. God's word is good. But (laughs) before he went to heaven and was raptured, he named his son. When you die, the flood will come. So no one knew. No one was sitting there watching his grandfather get older, going, oh, I better get things right. I better get things right. That flood's coming. That flood's coming. You can go through and study it historically. From the moment Methuselah died, within 48 hours it started raining. That's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. You know why? Because Noah wasn't in the dark. Noah was with God. All wisdom comes from God. He got to talk with God. He found grace in God's eyes. Noah was in touch with God. So the end wasn't a surprise to Noah. Matter of fact, Noah was running through the towns telling everybody, God is coming. His wrath is on its way, guys. It's going to rain. And they were like, what is rain? 
Rain's gonna fall from the sky. This whole area is gonna flood. That's why I'm building that big boat over there. You guys can get on the boat with me. And they were like, you're crazy, Noah. But Noah knew because his grandfather, when he dies, judgment comes. So he's watching his grandfather. I told him when you stepped out of the room that when, when his father Methuselah died, you can study this, within 48 hours it started raining. He knew when his grandfather died, that was when the flood was coming. Noah wasn't in the dark about it. He was fully aware of it. That's why he was preaching to people. That's why he was telling people. Then God sends them all to the boat. They all get in the boat and God closes the door. And Candy pointed this out to me a couple weeks ago. It says in the Bible that God, the <laughs> it showed, it, it said, okay, it's not important. So it, it says in the Bible that God, when he closed the door, they had just enough room. God knew who was going to be on that boat and who wasn't going to be on that boat. He knew that all the people weren't going to listen to Noah's words, even though Noah saw the end coming. Mm. Now, are we like Noah? We're like Noah, guys. We're believers. And that's what it says right here. You aren't in the dark about these things, guys. Don't be in the dark about things. God's not going to surprise you with a rapture. He's getting his church ready. You guys are going to be a bride. Nobody goes to, no one goes to a wedding and didn't even know it was going to happen. We know it's coming. We should be getting ready. He's told us the end's coming. He's told us this is going to happen. Baby, please don't let that happen again. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Have we ever, has anybody ever taught that in church? I don't think I've ever sat in a service where someone read that scripture to me and told me that I wouldn't be surprised when Jesus Christ comes back in his return. I've been told that I was in the dark, that I was one of the sinners in the world who wouldn't know he was going to show up like a thief in the night and I was going to be standing there going, what, Jesus? I missed it. That's one of the one. That's one of the 144,000. And I don't want to be like them. I want to be one of the people who see the day of the Lord approaching and celebrates it. We do that by continuing to build our house on the rock. For, all of, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard. Not asleep like the others. Don't sleep like other people and pretend like you don't know the end of the world's coming. You guys are children of the light. You're, you're in contact with the God of wisdom. You know what's going on. Don't pretend like you don't. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people, get, when people sleep and drunkards drink. But let us live in the light. Be clear-headed, protected, by the armor of faith and love. So he tears into the armor here, guys. We're going to be going through things in our life. Storms are going to be blowing. I need to put on some armor to protect myself. And what armor do we hear about in Thessalonians? The armor of faith, which is very important. Uh, we're saved by our faith. Our faith strengthens us. Our faith is everything for us. What up, bro? So we put on our armor of faith and love. Faith and love are what protects us. God's been sending us so many people, we're having trouble finding seats for us. We'll thank, we'll thank him for that, won't we? Thank you, Jesus. But it is our faith and our love that protect us. So as a believer, your faith is your shield. It should always be protecting you. Your love is what helps us because love covers a multitude of sin. So love is also a form of protection. And wearing our helmet. 
Now, now he's going to talk about the helmet. We had talked about the helmet of salvation, right? We all know that from Galatians. talks about that. But he steps it up a notch here in Thessalonians. And wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Because nobody wants a helmet that's weak. I don't want to wear a helmet on my head that's made of soft metal. I want a helmet on my head that's strong and sturdy. That's going to protect my head from anything that's going to hit it. And the number one thing that should be the strongest around your head is the fact that you are saved. There is no way on earth that you can tell anybody else how to be saved if you're still convincing yourself that it might be real. We have to have a firm faith in our salvation. God done made my mind up. He could, he, I don't care who you are. You couldn't talk me into being lost for the life of you. The devil's been trying for 30 years, and I finally knocked him out. I'll knock out anybody else. And I don't care if it's a church elder. I don't care who it is. You want to come to me and tell me I'm not saved? You got to fight on your hands because you're telling me that my Savior's blood isn't good enough. You're telling me that the God who wrapped himself in flesh and nailed himself to a cross didn't actually cover the job he actually missed one oh he didn't think about how bad daniel was should have took one more stripe no he covered all of it he covered all of it so salvation is secure and we have to know that not only about us but also about the world and i have to first accept that about myself because i can't love my brother as i love myself I'm not good enough, if I'm not saved, if I don't know what's right, God put the Spirit in you. He knows who you are. He knows how you think. He knows how you live. And He accepted you. Get over it. Doesn't matter what the Jews think. Gentiles are in the house. Here we are. We're here. Gonna have to put up with it. They grumbled at Peter. You baptized them? He's like, they spoke in tongues. What was I supposed to do? Well, I'm telling the same people that now. You're saved? Yeah, I spoke in tongues. What do you want me to do? It's the same situation now. My salvation is still firm. The speaking in tongues, receiving his spirit, is a guarantee of salvation. You want to tell me he's weak? You believe it or not? I, don't, I know him to be a real strong God. I don't know him to be a weak God. I don't know him to fail. I don't know him to get beat by the devil. <clears throat> He's not going to be outwitted by Satan's schemes. He knows his schemes from the beginning. And he chose to die so that nobody could ever take that away from him. I suffered and died on a cross. So when anybody ever tells you that you haven't paid for your sin, you go, yeah, you're right. He did. He covered it. And he's going to keep me all the way to the end. He's going to keep me all the way to the day he blows the trumpet and calls me home. And just like I have to believe now that I'm good enough, I'll have to believe then that I'm good enough. So I better set firm in my mind the helmet of salvation. Nothing can keep me from God nothing can I you know I know it's just a story because we can't verify it but there was this, there was a story of this guy he's got a book out he died and went to hell spent like 30 minutes in hell and he was writing about it all I don't know there's a couple that I follow but one of them has a story where he, and he was talking about his experience in hell and he was like he goes really really graphic into detail and it was it's a wake-up call so I, I Go ahead and look it up. But uh, in the process of it, he's talking about it, and he said that he didn't know God at this point in his life. He had never been to church. He had never experienced anything like this. And he said in this place, he said he, he was being tormented by demons. And he thought, if I could only pray. But he said, I didn't even know how to pray. I never prayed. This guy is like 30-something. He'd never been to church never experienced anything like this he said but he started trying to remember from when he was a kid and when he went to Sunday school like one or twice once or twice and he was like man what and he said he started trying to quote he said he was he was like I was literally doing like the Gettysburg address he's like four score seven like I couldn't think of a prayer I couldn't think of a scripture I couldn't think of anything but then he slowly started to remember 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he said as he started to think about that, and then he was like, Jesus. And when he said Jesus, he said a bright light broke through all the darkness and snatched him out of the pit. And he was returned to his body and came back to life. And he tells this whole experience. But it was all, he said that when he was snatched out of his body, again, we don't know if this is real, but I love I love the whole concept of how God's love is. And this is true. He said he was snatched out of the pit and he was going up to heaven. And he said he looked up at the beautiful, bright city of heaven. And he thought to himself, I can't. There's no way they'll let me in there. And he said the minute he thought that, he stopped. And God and him had a conversation. And he ended up coming back to life. And he, now he's a Christian. He teaches. He, he preaches. And he preaches about living for God so we don't have to go to hell. And he talks about the extremes of hell. But the thing that, he was, that, that stood out to me is that the minute he stopped believing, whether he was dead or not, as long as he had the faith, he was on the right track. But the minute his faith started to stop, he stopped. Him and God had to have a little discussion. And that's exactly, again, whether that story is true or not, the fact is still there. When we're in life and we're walking along and we got faith and everything's going good, and then we reach a point in our life where a storm blows in, we stop. And our faith can stop everything. But as long as we've got that helmet of salvation on and I'm living in faith and in love, I don't stop when the devil comes with those lies. I don't get crumbled because I know my foundation's built on him and his words. For God chose, now listen to this, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us there's going to come a time when God dumps his wrath on this earth that hasn't happened yet what we see on this earth are consequences of sin that's not God's wrath being dumped out on people if you get lung cancer it's not God punishing you it's because you smoke cigarettes (laughs) life has its consequences it's the truth my God's good The Bible says all good things come down from heaven, and he doesn't even have a shadow or a shifting. So he's not going to decide to punish you today and then bless you tomorrow and then punish you the next day. He's not in punishment mode yet. The earth already made its own punishments, and he's letting that handle itself. But I'm not in punishment mode yet. Christ came to save, not to judge. And we're still in that point. We haven't crossed from saving to judging yet. That's why everybody who's filled with the Holy Ghost and doing God's work isn't out condemning people. They're out saving the lost because that's still what Christ is doing on earth. He's not judging it yet. There's going to come a time where he's going to pull his bride off of this earth and then he's going to unleash judgment on this earth like they've never imagined because my God is big and powerful so he doesn't do things small and mildly. He saves us big. He paid for our sins big, and he's going to judge the world big. He's going to burn it up. Christ died for us so that, oh, here we go. Listen to this, guys. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Mm. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. I should have left that part out. Sounds like I just want you guys to honor me. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. This is talking about our pastor, right, guys? Pastor works hard. We should honor him. We shouldn't make his his work harder. We should be making his work easier. And how do we do that? We, 
by showing them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. You guys think that would help the pastor's life? <laughs> if we showed them respect, we loved them wholeheartedly. That means really loved them. Like, our, like we love our kids. Love him. And we just get along with everybody else in the church. <laughs> That's the clincher. That's the clincher right there. That would make our pastor's life easy because he works hard for us. And guys, I know God showed me how much he loves pastor. I've seen that. He showed me. He showed me. He showed Trav. He showed a few of us. But being on this side of the Bible study, there's a lot you go through to put a message together spiritually. It's, it's, it takes a toll on you physically because of what God is doing through you spiritually. In order for him to get you anointed and full of the anointing, there's a lot of things that he's got to crush and break off of you. There's a lot of grinding that goes on in your spirit. So it may seem like somebody just like, like, like I'm just standing here talking for a little bit. And it, and it seems like, okay, well, yeah, they knew it. they're a good talker. Dan's a good talker. He talks all the time. That's true and all. But when you're putting together the word of God, it's a little bit different. I can talk about wrestling all day. <laughs> that doesn't grind on me. But when I'm putting together this message and I'm actually, you carry a burden. You put this burden on top of you for everybody in the room and for everybody who might hear this message. And as a man of God, that burden carries weight. So we should have a little bit of understanding when we see a man of God who's got some, some scars and he's a little thick skin and he's a little weather torn because he's carried burdens for a lot of people for a long time. We should be understanding of that and accepting because in the end of the day, he's doing it for God. And that's what it's all about. He's, he didn't, no one chooses this path. We're called to these paths, whether we want to be or not. It wasn't like I just woke up one day and was like, you know, it'd be cool. God put a now. Is it a desire in my heart to teach? Yes, I'm teach. I'm teach. I taught yesterday. I'm teaching today. I'm teaching Saturday. And I was like, God, don't you even think I'm complaining? Like I don't care how busy my life gets. This is what I want. I want to be a part of that. But it's grinding. It's a grueling process. It's something that you've got to prepare for, and it takes some out of you spiritually and physically. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing, and God always gives us rest and strength and peace, and he makes us better as we continue to help everybody around us. But thank God we have a pastor. Thank God we have a man of God who goes through that so we can sit back on Sunday and listen to a message and not have to care. It's important. All right, so where did I just leave off? Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy I got to do that at work every night. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. And be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil. No one pays back evil for evil. So when people do evil things for you, you don't get to pay them back. You don't get to revenge it. We take it. Whatever. Right. Luckily, you got that helmet of salvation on, so you can take that slap on the cheek. <laughs> But always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. We should be full of joy, guys. We just read about how the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to go live with Jesus for an eternity. That should be on our mind. That's part of the helmet of salvation is knowing. Salvation means I get to go live in heaven forever. He's got a mansion he's already building up there. I never got a remodel, thank God. Candy's, Candy got a little upset there. She's like, that don't sound like heaven to me. <laughs> heaven to me is remodeling every week. <laughs> never. <laughs> so always be joyful. Never stop praying. Never stop praying, guys. Prayer, prayer is not sitting down 
with your head crossed, your finger, hands crossed, your eyes closed, kneeling at the side of the bed, saying, Our Father who art in heaven. That's not prayer. Like, I've taught on prayer a lot, so we can study this, but right now, accept me at my word. Prayer is you and God's communication in your head. That's not something that should ever stop. That's something that should continue to go your entire life. That's how we continue in prayer. I don't care what we're doing. You're sitting on the toilet. You can still be like, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> he doesn't care. He knows what you're doing. He sees you in all times. Guess what? Mm. When you're sinning, you should still be praying. Matter of fact, you should pray more when you're sinning. But don't think for a second, because I'm doing something wrong, I can't communicate with God. Remember, God wrapped himself in flesh and came down to a world full of sin. He can handle five minutes in your head while you're dealing with something. But he doesn't ever want to not be a part of your life. So whatever we're doing, Jesus is going to be there with you. He's going to, guess what, even if you don't pray to him, he still knows what you're doing. He still sees it. He's still sitting there next to you, going through it with you anyways. Might as well talk to him while you're doing it. Get his opinion, because we should never stop praying. What were you going to say, babe? Right. That's the whole point. And so he, under, he, he was tempted in all manner. He understands what sin's like. He didn't do it, but he understands it. He's all wisdom. But we should continue and never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Thankful in all circumstances. If you wreck your car, well, thank God I didn't die. There's a way to be thankful in every situation. You get robbed, well, thank God he didn't shoot me. <laughs> your boss ain't paying you enough, well, thank God you got a job. Be thankful in all situations because God does not like an unthankful person. We need to be thankful. For this is God's will for you. So here we go again. What's God's will for my life? He just gave you a list. There's your list. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So let's step back. What was his, what was his will for us again? Let's see. Honor those who are in leadership over you. Wholeheartedly and love them. Live in peace with everybody. Warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Don't pay back evil for evil. Always do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful and never stop praying. And be thankful in all situations. There's God's will for your life. Pull that off. We'll be all right. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Feel free to test things. We don't, I don't mind that. Like we should be testing things. Me and Travis, he was like, he tested me. He was like, I don't know about this, Dan. The other, night, the other week in Bible study, I was joking. I was like, shut up, it's my Bible study. But I was joking because in all reality, test me. It's not my word. It's God's word. And if this, if he's a real God and he's alive and strong and well, then he's got no problem defending it. He'll either give me the words or he'll show us together. But we shouldn't be afraid of what people say. Truth should stand above all else. That's why people who don't spread truth like to censor. Because they don't want truth look standing up right next to their lie. Because the truth looks pretty bright next to a big dark lie. Do not scoff at prophecies, but trust everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. When you experience things in your life, you can judge whether that's good or not. Finding $20 on the ground, it's good. Yeah, we like that. It's a good thing. Thank you, Jesus. Getting a flat tire on a rainy day, not so good. Right, but thank you, God. I've got a raincoat. <laughs> but it's the truth that even though even though there are good things and bad things on earth, we should be clinging to the good 
staying away from the bad. Stay away from the bad things. Whatever it is. If you eat something and it hurts your belly, don't eat it. (laughs) There are things in life that you got to realize is good and bad. Trusting God to give you the good things of this life and reject the things that you realize are not good. Don't be silly like a dog returning to its vomit. We don't want to be that way. When we see something in our life is bad, have the wisdom and the clarity. Don't scoff the Holy Ghost. Have the wisdom to stay away from it. That is no good. I'm going to stay away from that. That's what we've got to do in our life to avoid every kind of evil. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Why does he say that there? Spirit, soul, and body. That is the essence of a man. A man has a body. God created it from the dust of the earth, right? And then God made him a living soul. It says, he became a living soul. And then God breathed life into him. On the day of Holy Ghost, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came, there was a rushing mighty wind where God blew the Spirit back into them. Because when Adam fell, he became the number of a man. What is the number of a man, man? I know, I'm rocking you, ain't I? <laughs> I'm rocking your boat. What is, the, what is the number of a man? It says it in Revelations. It's the number of a beast, too. But it's the number of a man. 666. What is 666? Yeah, but if you type it into a calculator, what is it? It's two-thirds. I use this all the time at work because I'm having to do divisions. And when I'm doing divisions, I have to two-thirds break it down, 0.666. The number of a man. Because Adam had a spirit and a soul and a body. But when he fell, God took his spirit from him. That's how he died. He had spiritual death. Now he was just a soul and a body for years until Christ said, I'm going to give you right standing again. I'm going to take you back to the garden again where you can have the spirit inside you. But I got to die first because I got to pay for this atonement. I got to make this possible. So then he died and he sends back the Holy Spirit. So now you're whole again. Mind or body, spirit, soul. We're not 666, the mark of the beast. We are one, just like Christ is one, because we are filled with his spirit again. That's why he's pointing this out to them now. He says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may the whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he is who calls you and is faithful. No, he is who calls you or no, because God, the one who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with Christian love. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So, yeah, amen. Thank you, Saul. (laughs) Chimed in right at the end there. So, that's how we should be living. There's our armor. We're a house built on stone. Christ is coming again. We have firm salvation over our heads. And we are made whole in Christ. So let's continue to believe that. Let's teach that to other people. Let's help this world get ready. Because even though they're lost like a thief in the night, we live in the light and we can see 
His return is coming soon. Believers aren't in the dark. We're in the light. We know Christ is coming soon. I don't know exactly the day or the hour. The Bible does tell us that. We don't know the day or the hour. But I can see my grandpa sitting there getting old. And I know when he dies, the flood's coming, guys. So there's coming a time soon. He is going to come. We better be ready. Let's continue it. Let's keep that salvation secure. Let's keep our mind in Christ. Let's live in love. Let's be full of joy. Continuing to pray. That's what we need. And let's end in prayer. Everybody want to pray with me? Jesus, Lord, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow this to go down into our spirits, God, and build a firm foundation for us to build a house on that will stand until your return, God. A lighthouse that can shine light into this dark world, God, and that can lead them to you, God. For all good things come from you, God. We worship you and praise you for doing great works in our lives and on this earth. And continue to use us to reach this world, Lord, to hasten your return. We love you and worship you and praise you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.